0: And I was so burnt out. And when my brother passed away, I was like, I'm done. <laughs> like, this is this is not where I belong. This is not who I am. And life is too short <laughs> to, to stay in places where you don't um, where you don't get to express who you are. If you have a sense of who you are. I think some of us we like end up in places where like, I don't know how I'm here and I'm fine. But I, I felt that discord. Um, and I think I felt very much, my brother was an artist and I think I felt very much, he was an artist, but more than that, he was the kind of person that like, you know, people who met him for 20 seconds walked away being like, I'm a good person, you know, like he brought that to the world. And I think I very much felt like that the work that I do was, is, is charged by that. Like, he's not here. I am and I found this path to you know again like that that crack through the rocks of, like, it, this voice has never left me and it felt like you know if ever there was a time to just be like I'm gonna do this I'm this strange little project I have of drawing strangers is maybe the most powerful thing I can do in the world and for myself and like I can't I can't abandon it um,
1: Hello and welcome to the growth and thriving podcast. Where we celebrate those who have overcome great adversity and trauma in their lives and examine the tools and techniques by which people recover, grow, and create a life that feels like thriving for them. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak. And today we are talking to a longtime friend of mine, uh, author, illustrator, and founder of Drawn on the Way, Sarah Nisbet. And uh, Sarah and I have known each other probably close to 20 years
0: terrifyingly,
1: I think that's true. And um, and we first met when um, I was working as a personal trainer uh, in New Jersey at New York Sports Club, and Sarah was a a client there and a a master's student at the choir, Princeton Choir College. Mm -hmm. So in addition to being an accomplished artist and author, uh, Sarah is an amazing, amazing singer. So Sarah, welcome to the podcast thank you so much for being here
0: thank you i am so excited to be here i've, I've been following you <laughs> for a while now and i'm i'm excited about everything you're up to including this so
1: thank you thank you so much i felt uh yeah i got in i jumped into this because i felt like lots of people work on tr- like treating trauma when people are suffering right when people have ptsd or some depression or something and there's lots of people doing treatment um there aren't too many people working on the side of like what life looks like after, you know? And and there's research that demonstrates that people who have been through real adversity tend to do better, you know, and thrive and and achieve great things sometimes than those who haven't. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so why don't we take a few minutes? I mean, I introduced you as author, illustrator, founder of Drawn on the Way. I'm familiar with Drawn on the Way because I've been following it on Facebook. (laughs) before it was even a Facebook page, right? It started as just your Facebook page and you were just doodling people on the subway. Yes. <laughs> Why don't you talk a little bit about what it is you do and some of the accomplishments, right? That you are the work of art was a big one. We'll talk about that and, and uh, just let people know what you're up to and then maybe we'll work backward and see how you wound up here.
0: That sounds great. We can see if we can figure out how it is that I ended up here. I'm still working on that. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I um, accidentally started a project that's now coming up on its almost 10-year anniversary. Um, It's called Drawn on the Way. And it it got that name because um, when I was living in New York City, um, I started drawing people on the subway um which i'll tell the story i'll tell the story of how it started and then i'll explain yeah, what it is. I think that's a good way to do it um so i as you said i was an opera singer i i moved to new york um to pursue opera and um shortly after moving to new york i was kind of like i don't think this lifestyle is for me it's t- so much travel it's like so chaotic like i just the more successful I got like the less happy I was and I was like that's weird um so I I decided to see what would happen if I stopped singing and I started pursuing a career in advertising um, which I'd always had an interest in and I was doing a lot of temping in the interim so that kind of weird transition point and that's when I found myself on the subway one day and I was just like I can't look at a screen anymore like all day I'm just like a nameless person in a nameless office staring at a computer screen and I'm just like I, I can't look at my phone I just I can't do this and i I'd always been a doodler um so I had a little sketchbook with me that was like filled with like doodles and I took it out and I just like had no inspiration there was like nothing in my mind that I was like I want to draw like a cat in space there's just like nothing and that was really unusual for me too and so I I just started looking around the train and I was like well maybe something will inspire me here and I saw this gentleman 80 years old if he was a day old (laughs) and he was wearing a three-piece brown leisure suit with a vest a fedora like a paisley tie and just like matching umbrella and he was going into the city when everyone else was going out and i was like who is this person (laughs) like who is this dude he's got to have a story and so i just i kind of got thinking about him and i thought i'm gonna draw him and despite knowing very precisely in my mind that i could never draw from life like i'd spent my whole life specifically not doing that because i knew i was bad at it um i decided to do it when i finished i was like hey that that didn't suck as much as I thought it was going to. And I actually love the process of doing it. I was like, that's pretty fun. So then the next day I got on the train, I did it that next morning on my commute to my temp job and did it that morning or that you know afternoon coming home and the next day and the next day and the next day until you know we are here now, <laughs> which is wow. um having created this project that's dedicated to to drawing the world as I see it on the way. And and I I'm a self-taught artist, and that is now my my full-time profession. Um, and I I like to say that this project has very much taught me how to draw, but also how to see. So how to really see the world as a place that's filled with stories, and to see people as as works of art. And that's a big part of the mission of of this project, and is is to to help inspire people to see the world in a different way, to like, really look for the extraordinary in the everyday and to, and to see themselves and other people as works of art. Cause I, I think it's so easy to overlook each other especially these days. So that's, that's at the heart of the mission.
1: And so we, you know, for something that you sort of fell ass backward into, right. Without any, <laughs> you know, all this write a business plan and have a strategy and right. But, but you've had some, I mean, you've had success, which is great, but you've had some pretty cool landmarks, right? The piano in Manhattan, yep. the book now. Can you talk about a few of those landmarks and and yeah. let you know what's what you're up to?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So I um yeah, absolutely fell ass backwards into this. Like I always say it's like I started this accidentally. Um and so You know, started sharing it on Instagram. Started realizing, oh, I'm I am actually doing something. This isn't just I mean, this is a hobby at the time. It was a hobby, but it began to turn into something kind of more serious and more um, deliberate on my part. And so, yeah, started kind of like trying to share this message more. So the piano, the New York pianos, was super awesome. There's a, a group called Sing for Hope in New York, and they do these amazing public pianos. And they literally put a piano on a street corner, and it's there for three weeks, and anyone can come play it pretty much any time of day, and there are all decorated by artists um, that are chosen to do this. So that was like that was, I think, almost I think two years ago now. I think. Um, so I got to create a piano that lived in uh, Marcus Garvey Park in New York, and it uh, it was decorated with all the faces of people that I had seen throughout the years on the subway, and and um, it was it was a really cool experience too because it 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 write in big letters said, you know, you are a work of art and it had that mission statement of encouraging people to, to see the people around them and to, to think about who they are um, and begin that kind of process of like curiosity and allowing that curiosity to kind of breed empathy and connection. Um, and and that, that, was, that was a very cool project to be involved in. And then the piano is donated to a school in New York and the school that my piano went to they did not have a piano in the building so that was that is their only piano which like <laughs> on so many levels
1: yeah, yeah. that's so cool yeah okay. and you've got a book now
0: i have a book coming out called uh which i also accidentally fell ass backwards into <laughs> um uh I, it is called drawn on the way a guide to capturing the moment through live sketching and um i'm really excited about it being out in the world because um I had a a publisher approach me to ask me if I wanted to write this book and I'd I'd actually been working on a different book proposal and I was and they were like would you like to write this book and I was like yeah here's here's my book proposal and they were like no no we do instructional stuff and I was like I'm I'm self-taught I couldn't teach anybody and then they were like no you really could and the more I thought about it the more I was like I have so much to say and so much I want to share with people I think the, the biggest thing I'm excited about for the book is that I think it's I sort of describe it almost as like a Trojan horse, like, it's like, the book is a million different ways to support people just picking up a pen and trying to draw their world, because I think there's so many barriers that, like, come with that, people are like, I'm not an artist, I can't do this, I don't have talent, my work doesn't look like somebody else's, and those are all kind of the battles that I fought along the way of this accidental path to being an artist and an illustrator and uh, author, and, like, I, it's very much, again, like, my mission to, like, give back people you know to people their own pers- perspective of the world that's theirs like yeah. you know you to be creative
1: so I think you know it's interesting how we like have this default setting to sort of under appreciate what we have to offer right because of what it's not yes <laughs> instead of yeah. thinking about you know what it is and and I think you know I think there's value probably in the world of you know as a somebody who's an academic himself, right? With a PhD, there's value in people conducting research and following scientific method and learning things that way. And, you know, managing error rates so that we can have some confidence and managing bias so we can have some confidence. And so there's, I think there's great value in people discovering and learning things by the rules. Mm -hmm. And I think equally great value in people who are learning and discovering things by deviating from those rules. 100%. I,
0: um, I, I oh, go ahead. Go
1: ahead. I, I was just gonna say, you reminded you know, you're an opera singer, but you reminded me of, I at the height of their popularity when Van Halen was a very big deal. I remember um, an interview with Eddie Van Halen, who is, you know, you can't have a discussion about the greatest guitar players in history without his name popping up, right? And his dad was a classical musician. So he and his brother were classically trained on piano, but he taught himself how to play guitar. And he was self-taught and he's widely known as an innovator of a style that nobody had prior. And, um, and in this interview, he was, said, essentially you know, what I was saying about, he said that there's value in, in learning how to play classically but when you do that you you're sort of learning by the book and when you pick up a guitar and just teach yourself you're sort of writing the book and so yeah. that's sounds a lot like what you have done
0: I, I love that that's like so actually apt for my process too because what i was going to say is i feel like drawing the, the process of becoming a visual artist i think is in direct reaction to the process that i went through to become a, a musical artist and There is so much that like in the process of classical music training, it's a lot of like, uh, do it, you know, from your heart. And as you are, as an artist, express your soul, except if you don't do it this way, which I personally, as your teacher, I'm telling you is the only way. And then you, you repeat that with like your teacher, your coach, the conductor, uh, you know, your colleagues, like everyone is sort of telling you exactly how to do it and sort of like overriding your innate, Mm -hmm creativity and talent and like heart and motivation and and there's so much critique there's so much critique yeah. and i feel like the process of drawing like when i started drawing on the train i was like oh do i want to get some lessons do i want to like learn how to do all these like you know more sophisticated artistic techniques that i don't know how to do and i was like no no i think i'll just figure it out because there was like, it felt like it was tapping into like this part of me that was like desperate to be in the world in like an unfettered way and be creative. Oh. And, oh. and I feel like by somehow I had the sense to preserve that. And I'm so glad I did because I feel like I ended up in this place where I, yeah, exactly like Van Halen. <laughs> Cause like I, I literally wrote the, literally wrote the book of like, yeah. here's a way you can be creative that isn't like damaging. And yeah only adds to your life.
1: <laughs> and I like how you say it, here's a way you can be creative, not here's the way to be creative, right? Here's exactly. how I did it and try it out, you know?
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Exactly. I feel the cl- classical training in any of the arts is st- always starts with like express yourself from your heart, be an artist. And so I, I imagine that almost like a Jackson Pollock, right? We're taking bits of our soul and throwing them on the canvas. Mm-hmm. And then the classical training sort of takes out a file and files away all the edges until the circles are perfect and the lines are straight and the, right. And yeah. in certain areas, if you can be in an orchestra, right? That's that's necessary, right? You can't yeah. you can't play in an orchestra and, and be a you know a jazz kind of soloist. But yeah. but yeah, but could you imagine this book publisher going to Eddie Van Halen and saying hey we want you to write a book on how to play guitar and him saying oh I can't teach anybody I'm self-taught
0: right right no it's, it's when you when you like zoom out like if I look looking back I feel like I can't I actually can't believe that I I even said that when the editor when I talked to her I was like oh, I'm self-taught I call someone else and I'm like looking back I'm like that is so crazy because I literally when I wrote the book I actually wrote like two books worth of content like I had to like literally edit out like yeah. an entire extra book because I had a page count that I had to meet and I was like yeah it's so funny I thought I had nothing to say and then it turns out I had like two books worth of things to say so
1: and and, and in a way what's funny and, and I think this is sort of key and important and plays very much into what I do when I'm coaching people right um because this is a phenomenon that I think is is well, in my experience, it's really common. I don't have data. I don't know how common exactly, you know, the people I see are sort of a self-selecting population because they come to me. But right. but I encountered this often. And that is your, your knee-jerk reaction to being offered an opportunity was in direct contrast to what you're trying to provide for other people. Right? Yeah. You're trying to uninhibit other people and, and allow them to to view themselves as a work of art with all their perfections and scars and broken parts and, and and empower them and get them to see their value. And as soon as somebody said, hey, we value what you do, would you share it? You were like, oh, I don't have value.
0: Yeah, you, yeah, yeah 100%, dude. like at a, at a certain point, I. I was working on the book and I called my best friend and I was like, I was like, you know, telling her like all my like insecure thoughts about everything and she was like, it's weird because I feel like somebody I know just wrote a book where they said all these like really inspiring things about how to like trust what you're doing and like, it's okay to make mistakes. And I was like, is that is that me? Cause I think I should probably reread that. But yeah. yeah, it's, you know, it's absolutely. And I think it's, and that was like, when it's really interesting that that was kind of my reaction to because I, that was the thing I said to the the editor when I I first talked to her is I said I would do this book but it is important to me that you understand like this is not this is not a prescriptive book it's not going to be instructions like draw like me it's Mm -hmm. going to be about giving people the ability to draw like them (laughs) whatever that looks like and I was like as long as as long as like I, I think that was like again it was like with this project there have been so many places where like a voice that I'm not always connected to has been like really strong and just been like not perpetrating more critique and more you know expectations out in the world i'm trying to create something for people and like yeah. that's yeah
1: it sounds like that that voice had to get stifled enough that it had no chance but to kick down the door right like between the cubicle and the screens all day and the computer and the commute and the phone and the right that voice had to just kick yeah. in more and say let me out
0: yeah yeah and i think finding a medium i i I think like, it does feel very much like it, like it found a crack in the rock, you know, mm-hmm. and it just found its way out. And I feel like singing for, I think it's, it's still very much the same through line of like, of trying to, I think, tell a story and make people feel something and share another view with people. And I think I did that when I was a singer. And I did that when I worked in marketing in my own way. And I, I feel like there there's this thread and I feel like it's finally kind of emerged in a way that's like, unbound by other by expectations of like this is what classical music is like or this is the deadline this is what the client wants I feel like that voice was like I need to exist in my own strange specific way and I'm gonna just keep talking until you let me speak (laughs) so yeah it feels they all, it's disparate lives that I've sort of lived up singer marketer illustrator, but they're all the same instinct. I see that more clearly now.
1: Yeah. And it's the same guiding force, right? The same Sherpa. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share, um, some of, you know, the personal side of your life. I mean, because what I love about what you do, um, I mean, I love that it, features other people and that it makes other people their appearance and and what's cool is if anybody ha you know hasn't seen your artwork or you know go on Facebook or Instagram and check out Drawn on the Way but your style at least for me I react to it in a way where every it's every picture tells a really cool story right it's like you know it's i don't know i mean i there are still lives in the museum where i see a you know a basket of fruit or something or a horn of apples and and i'm like wow you know the painting technique is beautiful you can see where the light is and the shadow is and and it's right on point but but i don't walk away with a story of you know you talk about that 80 year old guy in a three-piece leisure suit on the subway and like the Manhattan that I know, or the, I guess we always took the train in the Manhattan, but any of the five boroughs, the New York city that I know has those characters everywhere. And that picture, I remember that picture. I remember when you posted that picture,
0: mm-hmm.
1: like made that guy, like made me curious about him, made, made it interesting. So what you do not only features other people, but I feel like there's a big part of vulnerability in it for you. Cause I, knowing you, I can see that there's some of your soul in each of those pictures.
0: Uh, I, that is wonderful to hear. Cause that, that is, I think that's very much true. I, yeah.
1: Right. And so I don't think we could do your story justice without allowing people to know you personally a little bit. So that's what I'm asking for now is if you could sort of connect what you're doing professionally and and just let people know you a little bit, where you come from, whatever, you know, important events in your life and, and, you know, times, good times, bad times, you know, whatever you're willing to share.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're spot on. I'm, I'm so glad that comes through because I think that, like I said, that is, that is more and more I realize I think my purpose in life is to like is to share that um yeah that idea with people that like you are worthy and I think I think the more I sort of do this work and the more that I you know get into this the more I realize that this is it's it's very much related to my own path right (laughs) like it's not it's not accidental that I'm I'm, you know, find myself being sort of obsessive with, I've drawn like 5,000 people. (laughs) Um, And somebody asked me, I'll I'll talk a little bit about myself, but somebody asked me like recently, they're like, have you ever done a self-portrait? And I was like, no, I never have. Uh, But I think in many ways that all of the drawings of people I make are in some ways a form of self-portrait because they're like putting out into the world this idea of like, I see you, I see you in all your flaws, and all your perfections I see you as a, as a complete person and I think you're worthy and I think like every drawing I make is is a mirror to like say that back to myself
1: yeah, and and uh, many of those drawings it's not even I see you head on right sometimes yeah. I'm behind you and I see you at an angle and a big chunk of the picture is the back of somebody's head with a little mm-hmm. cheekbone or yeah though I find those really interesting right yeah perspective yeah
0: yeah and I think like yeah that that aspect of like yeah of of, like looking for those little moments I think you know I think I, I, I I think I'm always looking for that story and for that interest and like I think you know yeah I'm always I'm always like that's how I experience the world is I'm always looking for like what is interesting what is happening beyond just what you see and like telling those stories to myself and telling those stories about myself and other people so I think like yeah I I think that's that's a big a big part of like why I look for those kind of scenes and moments is to like just be like does anyone else see the world this way or is it just me or can I show you um but yeah I, I you know I think I think the biggest like the biggest catalyst in many ways for me to continue doing what I've been doing is I think you know my my brother passed away um three years ago now um and he took his own life and probably gonna cry Um, (laughs) but uh that's been a huge motivator for me yeah Um, (laughs) um, I knew I was gonna cry I can't can't talk about it not cry
1: Hey, if you're gonna cry about anything. Like, <laughs> there's not much that's more worthy of it.
0: Yeah. Um, and for me, when he passed away, um, I was at the height of my marketing career. I'd i climbed the ladder very quickly, um, and I was I was working seventy-hour weeks, um, and I was so burnt out. And I was like, there's just no purpose to this. Like I'm, I'm working for, you know, I'm working for clients that don't care about me. They don't care about, they don't care about anything that they're sort of asking for from the world. And I was so burnt out. And when my brother passed away, I was like, I'm done. (laughs) Like, this is, this is not where I belong. This is not who I am. And life is too short (laughs) to, to stay in places where you don't, um, where you don't get to express who you are, if you have a sense of who you are. I think some of us we like end up in places where like I don't know how I'm here and I'm fine, but I I felt that discord, um, and I think I felt very much my brother was an artist, and I think I felt very much he was an artist, but more than that he was the kind of person that like you know, people who met him for 20 seconds walked away being like, I'm a good person. You know, like he brought that to the world. And I think I very much felt like that the work that I do was, is, is charged by that. Like, he's not here. I am. And I found this path to, you know, again, like that, that crack through the rocks of this voice has never left me. And it felt like, you know, if ever there was a time to just be like, I'm going to do this, I'm this strange little project I have of drawing strangers is maybe the most powerful thing I can do in the world and for myself. And like, I can't, I can't abandon it. Um, and I have to, I have to see where it will take me. Um, and I have to sort of like carry this legacy on for myself, but also for this person who, who brought that to the world and who saw that in me. Um, so that's a huge part like of finding the courage to like keep doing this even when it there is no path to become an alive an, illustrator of people on the subway like that's not a career um, so so it's very much yeah that's been a huge part of like the days where i'm like what am i doing
1: <laughs> how do you describe it on linkedin right like
0: Exactly. Like, how do you tell people, you know, I trust strangers. Um, yeah. Yeah, I
1: trust strangers. <laughs> yeah. I think, you know, I mean, you, you said it sort of quickly. Um, and that's totally fine. But, but I think there's an important, uh, you didn't say it um, explicitly, but I think it was implied and correct me if I'm wrong, because whether you implied it or not, I inferred it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, But I think there was an implied idea in there because, you know, um, and and I could be also projecting a little because you and I have some similar experiences. I mean, I, you know, uh, I lost my mother when I was very young, when I was seven. And so I understand that kind of like, that's a different category of grief, right? Like, it's always hard when a loved one dies, but, you know, a close friend in some cases or a like your grandparent for example who's late in life and it's sort of it's I'm not trying to minimize it but it's natural right exactly. exactly and um and when it's you know my mother was 34 right when she died and so when people die young like that and and when you're as connected to them as a child is to a parent or as a sibling like you and your brother um, and I know you guys were very close because you used to talk about him quite a bit when yeah. we were in the gym. Yeah. Um, it's, a different, um, it's a different category of grief, right? I, it's almost incorrect to use the same word to describe both experiences. And what I came to learn, although it took me a lot longer than you, I kind of wasted my whole childhood on being angry and, and wrapped up in my, my grief and sorrow. But what it eventually came to be was that, like, an experience as as hurtful and profound as that can either be the reason why you never accomplish anything amazing, or it can be the reason why you have to.
0: So well said. Yes, so well said. I I definitely, I I remember very much in the immediate aftermath um, thinking that and, and having a sense of like I have to knowing that there was there was I was either gonna get stuck in that place and it's a it's a compelling place to be stuck because you're you're it's overwhelming. There's so much to process and I think it's really easy to like just sort of like you know it's if you're on your journey to just sort of be like I'm I'm just gonna sit here at the place where this happened and I'm, this is where I have to be forever. Like, and I think it's really easy to, and I don't, I don't, I don't blame anybody who does that. Like, uh, it's, you know, and I think in some ways, a part of you always stays there, too.
1: Yeah, for
0: sure. But I think that, yeah, I think that, I I think in many ways, I realized, like, if if I don't leave this place, if I don't begin the process of going forward from this, I will never leave. And I, I think i I think like the best thing I can do is like is keep walking and keep bringing letting this like letting like because it really it, it like the, the metaphor like that I remember in, in therapy talking about was like it felt like um you know my my whole world sort of it was like it was like a pottery shop, <laughs> and there was an earthquake, and everything fell on the walls and it's like you're cleaning up and you're like picking up pots and you're sort of like oh, well, this one's not that broken. And you put it back on the shelf and like, you're like, ah, this one is actually like too broken to put back together. So there's a lot of things I think, there's a lot of things you leave behind. There's a lot of things that you decide, I actually have to look at this and I have to fix this. And I have to like strengthen it for myself. Like, um, and then there are things that you realize are actually still really intact. And I, I think for me, like the the drawing was one of the things that I was like, oh, it didn't break, <laughs> like, you know, like this is, maybe this is like, you know, like I feel if anything more, like I understand why I do this and, and, and what its purpose. So, yeah.
1: And in the interest of beating that metaphor to death, right, like <laughs> like if the earthquake kind of ruined your, your pottery shop, right, your ceramic shop, and you, all you did was kind of open the door and look in, right? Yeah. Without taking piece by piece, if you just look in, you could very easily see that mess and just be like, "Okay, this is irreparable. Yep. Like, there's nothing to be salvaged." Yep. But until you start looking at each individual piece, that's where you find the parts that are not that broken and maybe could be turned into something even more beautiful than they were before the disaster.
0: Exactly. Right? Exactly.
1: But you have to be able to take that inventory because if you just step back and look at the whole thing yeah crippling
0: a hundred percent a hundred percent yeah and and there's definitely a you know and it's interesting because that that up until that point that was actually the 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 i'd drawn every single day up until that point and i i think it was like two or two weeks maybe that i just I, w- I mean i was like not on this planet like i was you know um a- and i opened up my one day i was like i opened up my sketchbook and i was like do i even care about this like do i even care about this at all and i was home and i wasn't out i wasn't in new york i was like totally out of all the environments that i I'd, I'd known to do this in um and i just drew my shoes <laughs> that i had i'd been wearing the same pair of like winter boots like and i just drew them probably like 20 times and i was like i i found i was like okay this is a place that i can be you know and it was like it, it, and it was like okay this is you know there's and that's something i've actually been curious to ask you about <laughs> is is I, I you know i think like i am so i'm so I, I feel sort of ignorant of like the art therapy aspects of this but i know there in, instinctively i know that there there are some because i feel like it it's a very like meditative thing to draw from life. Um, and I think that like, I very much found, found that in the, in the aftermath of this is that like, for the five minutes that I'm doing this and I'm drawing my shoes, you know, like, or drawing somebody I'm, I'm totally in the moment and like everything else goes away. And that like little reprieve I, I think I, I needed it in lots of ways in New York, but I, I didn't understand because it's a very busy, crazy, wild place, and I think I, I found that. but I think on an emotional level after I was you know gone through this, I think it's it gave that like, yeah, that oasis of, like reprieve from everything else happening.
1: Right, right. And and yeah, I, I mean I'm not I'm not very well trained in art therapy, which, um it's sort of strange for me because most of my life I considered myself an artist I used to love to draw I haven't drawn anything in years but um, every once in a while I scribble out a cartoon for my kids or something but yeah um but I used to you know through middle school and high school and some of college I drew every day and I I was always in art classes and always and um and my stepmother really wanted me to she wanted me to go into advertising because of the artist side. And I did end up working in marketing for a while, but it also wasn't for me like, yeah. but, um, and so when I became a psychologist for whatever reason, I never um, specialized much in art therapy, but I do think there's, I think you're right on the money about like the mindfulness aspect of it. It makes you very much in the present. Right. Especially I would imagine like on the subway, where somebody could move at any moment or get up or leave, or right? And you have to kind of capture them with some intention, right? Yeah. They're not yeah. posing for you.
0: No, they're definitely not.
1: <laughs> right? And,
0: yeah.
1: And so the ability to block out what's next or what happened earlier or to not ruminate or is that kind of mindfulness, I imagine is very important, especially in the way you draw, because you can't tell a model to just, oh no, put your hand back. All right, right, I, right exactly. Moved. yeah. Yeah,
0: exactly, I'm, exactly. I mean, I, um, and I think, I think, you know, that it's been interesting because the process of drawing for me, I think has definitely like looked at some of the, the, the personality traits that I have and sort of like turn them a bit on their head. Like, so I think I always, I always draw in pen. Mm-hmm. And the first time that I ever, Drew on the train when I drew that that um, older gentleman. I I just had a pen with me that I'd stolen from the office, <laughs> and um, I I drew in pen. And I think again, it was like kind of one of these things that some some part of me was like, never use a pencil because I am such a perfectionist. Um, and I, I always thought that was an actually a, like a really good trait. And I now realize that there's, there's, that's not actually the like, healthiest way to live your life. Um, but I think that also was like almost a form of like exposure therapy was like you are going to mess up like you're absolutely go- like. And there was like a sort of like exposure therapy of like you're going to be in the middle of a drawing that's like going so well. And then like that person's going to get up and leave or someone's going to bump you or you're going to make a mistake. You're going to put a mark in the wrong place and you're going to ruin this drawing. And I think like getting like the exposure therapy of doing that multiple times a day of just being like, things were going so well and then I ruined it or it got ruined or whatever. And realizing like, and then I turned the page and I made another drawing and it was actually better. Mm -hmm. And like, the metaphor of that is not lost on me, Uh, (laughs) yeah.
1: What Bob Ross would call the happy accidents.
0: Exactly happy accidents and then the ones that are just like you know there's there's nothing to sell like this drawing is totally unsalvageable now and like that's also fine.
1: Right and and the, you know I I'm imagining because I don't do this practice of drawing like you do mm-hmm. but I'm imagining from other areas of my life that there's even the ones that are unsalvageable in such a way that maybe you don't share them on Facebook. Maybe they didn't make it into your book or onto the piano and they never get seen by maybe another set of eyes. Right. Mm-hmm. But in the moment that you were drawing it, there was value definitely for you. And maybe even for the person who didn't know they were a subject, right? Like yeah. there was still like something for that three minutes or five minutes or Whatever it was, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think that's true. I think it's. Yeah, I think that, that that's definitely something I've yeah. I've, I've explored <laughs> for myself. It is 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 reevaluating, right? Um, reevaluating and, and learning how to like something I, I I say now a lot is like evaluate by joy, not excellence.
1: Right and and right. right and but but maybe you know maybe there's different measures for different you know maybe there's some some drawings where their value is in their ability to be shared and the value is in their ability maybe even to be sold at some point. I mean, I know um, I bought a, a T-shirt and a uh, and a <laughs> postcard from you with with oh. your artwork on them as gifts for my uh, for my stepmother for her birthday. Oh. Um, so maybe there is value in some of them is, you know, the value is in their ability to be shared and and maybe for other ones, their value is private, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I think, and for me too, I think it's, it is, I often find, like, I, I just went to the beach a couple of weeks ago and I made, like, to, exactly to that point, I, I drew a bunch of drawings of people on the beach and <laughs> I, don't, I haven't shared any of them because I didn't really l- like any of them enough to be like, I want to show the world this drawing. This is like my best work. But like the other day I was like flipping through that notebook before I put it away. And I was like, oh, that was like such a nice day. Like I was, I like felt again the sensation of being there. And I was like, and also, and like the practice of like looking at those drawings and like, again, like accepting them being like this drawing, which is not perfect and is not my best work. Doesn't mean I don't have, i like have to stop being an artist right now you know or like that i'm not capable of more like i think that it's a very interesting thing to like especially you start accruing like hundreds of these like look back and just be like yeah it's all okay <laughs> like it's all okay
1: i can even love this drawing yeah with its yeah. you know even though it's not my best work or right
0: yeah. yeah and that's that i think is that like kind of you know i think exposure therapy and like sort of like like pra- practicing that mindset um, on an out- exterior thing that I think like it seeps, it goes, it goes the other way, like both ways, I think I'd like to your point. I think if other people see that, I, I think. And then for myself, I know I, I slowly but surely am like absorbing that <laughs> method <laughs> message.
1: Yeah, a minute ago when you mentioned like drawing in pen because you're a perfectionist, and if you were to draw in pencil, right, it would constantly be adjusting, made me think of, um, you know, Brene Brown in, in one of her books, I think it's Daring Greatly. She has an entire chapter dedicated to what perfectionism is and is not.
0: Oh, interesting. I, I think I will have to read that. <laughs>
1: and, and she talks about it as being entirely antithetical to like growth. Yeah. Right? She talks about how, um, for example, like um, perfectionism is not the same thing as having high standards for ourselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
1: Because having high standards for ourselves means we want to achieve greater things, whether that's in music or art or mathematics or it doesn't matter. Right. Or engineering, our career, or as a parent or whatever. And um, and in order to achieve those things, by definition, there has to be room to fail. Yeah. Right. There has to be room. Yeah. And so she has a, all these, she has a chapter's worth of these different things. But but what I remember most, would stay I read the book a few years ago, but what stands out to me most uh, are two points that she made. One is that um w- wanting to achieve or grow or accomplish is very much about me it's very much about what i want for my life right mm-hmm. if i choose to become a better mathematician as opposed to say a better musician it's because that's what's speaking to me that's what's fulfilling to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: perfectionism is about the approval of other people yeah, That's interesting. <laughs> it's about other people seeing me and being impressed with what i'm accomplishing as opposed to me valuing it myself.
0: Wow.
1: Mm. That and is very, yeah,
0: go ahead. <laughs> now, I was to say the
1: other, the other comment she makes, makes in the book is she compares perfectionism. She says we think that it's gonna get us loved and and a sense of belonging with other people. And really it ends up being a, a 10,000 pound shield that we have to lug around everywhere. Yeah,
0: wow. That is that is that is really interesting. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go read that uh, for sure. Um, But I think that like totally that actually makes a lot of sense even for my own like path with this because I think performing was very much like being a classical musician is the highest form of perfectionism. It's all about getting you know literally people applaud for you after you do it you know (laughs) you do it well. Um, And I I think yeah I think and that's that is I think my challenge now even with this project is like is continuing to to find the place that it comes from that's not about that approval from somebody else it's not about somebody else being like that's the best piece of art I've ever seen made because because I don't think most people are going to say that about what I create you know it's a very simple like in the moment expressive thing and and I think like constantly looking for like the place where that lives inside of me versus outside of the world it is a battle that I think was set up very early on for me in my life of like, you know, finding those boundaries.
1: Right. And and almost regardless of what you create, some people will like it more than others, right? I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. sure there's people who look at the Sistine Chapel or the Mona Lisa and they're like, eh, you know, <laughs> exactly. and then there's other people who are, you know, agape
0: exactly and i think that you know again like when i started drawing i think that was an interesting the beginning of like cracking into that like perfectionism shield i like that um was like actually coming to terms with like making a piece of art that like took three minutes i did it with a pen on a moving train and actually being like i really like this like i really like this and i actually don't care what anyone else thinks and i you know, I think like when I first started drawing, I would kind of hide it from other people on the train so they couldn't see, so they couldn't judge it. And then like, you know, eventually sort of like built up that muscle enough where I was like, I actually don't care if the person next to me is impressed by this. Like I am impressed by it. Mm -hmm. I enjoy it. Um, And again, I feel like that was like such a process of like taking back what kind of got took away in that like classical music environment. And also just the way that I grew up and the way that I experienced the world into that until that point and also now <laughs> like it's
1: yeah. You know. yeah I remember an art teacher once I think I was in like eighth grade and at that point I think I was you know probably one of two or three kind of like real art students in the art class right the everybody else was just forced to take this elective. <laughs>
0: yeah
1: it was one of a couple who really um like had an interest in art and I remember the first major crack in the perfectionism shield for me. Mm-hmm. And it blew my mind, was this art teacher saying to us as we were drawing an apple or whatever it was, um, draw what you see, not what you think it ought to look like.
0: Oh, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: And I was instantly amazed at how much time I spend erasing and adjusting and erasing and adjusting. And and oftentimes not approaching the outcome I want because I'm not really trusting my senses and drawing what I'm seeing. I've decided that that curve is not really what an apple looks like, whether it's what I'm seeing or not. And so I'm trying to fix it into what I think an apple ought to look like in order to have, you know, the ultimate goal is to have the art teacher or somebody else walk by and be like, now that is a perfect apple, right? Like,
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that is, yeah. That is powerful. That is really powerful. And I, I think that's the other sort of like one of the many accidental benefits of drawing in pen is is trusting that instinct in you right. to, to actually to, to, to be able to create what you see you know, or, or what you feel. Cause I think for me, that's a big thing I focus on too, is like, like a line can be totally wrong. <laughs> like, you know, from a technical standpoint, from like all these things, but it can say everything you need it to say, but you have to let it be uninterrupted. You can't, you can't let all those other forces interact with it. And I feel like when you draw on pen, it, it sort of like challenges you to believe in that
1: yeah yeah i think you know the other piece about your artwork and again i might this is my interpretation so i, I might be misinterpreting or you may not see it this way yeah. but one of the things i like so much about the artwork that you do share um and what i love about it is like um how do i say this correctly Based on maybe like technical standards, a lot of what you share is sort of incomplete or unfinished, right? It might be sort of a person and then like kind of one half of their body and the other half is not included, right? Like it's just, and when when you first started in the very beginning of this podcast, you talked about drawing from life and not liking to draw from life and i was like that too i didn't like to draw from life and i think drawing from life puts into my mind this idea of like still life type paintings and portraits and and so there's a question of what is it are you trying to capture and when you do a still life right when you have that horn of that that wicker horn of fruit and you're trying to paint that or that vase of flowers mm-hmm. you know the goal is to capture what there such that you could hold your painting up next to the life real life one and it would be hard to distinguish one from the other right yeah what you're capturing to me anyway is less the visual aesthetic of what's there Mm -hmm. and more the gestalt of the moment
0: yeah oh i love
1: that (laughs) like you're capturing a moment right and and it may not necessarily like every bit of shading or every tinge of color might not be like exact to what's actually in front of you but it it creates whatever connection you had with when you chose that person dog horse whatever it was as your subject pair of shoes Yep. what you capture is what was there in the moment that drew you to yeah it. well it, it's in,
0: yes yes absolutely and you know I, I watched it I think your first episode of this podcast you talked about meaning making. Yes. And, and that I was like, yes, (laughs) like, uh, because I think I, that's what I'm constantly doing out in the world myself is like making, like I am, when I see somebody, you know, sitting like this, I wonder like, why are they, why is that how they're holding themselves today? Like what's going on for them internally? Like Have I ever felt like that? Am I feeling, why am I seeing that? Do I feel like that today? You know, like I'm looking, like things are not meaningless in the world. (laughs) And I'm constantly looking for my, I think my own entertainment and also my own sense of like, what is this all about? To find those beautiful little stories that are encapsulated in like one moment of time. And that's how I make meaning for myself. (laughs) Um, And I think sharing that is how I'm trying to make meaning for other people. Is to like be like, this is happening around us all the time, and there's so much garbage that's happening in the world around us, <laughs> and you can look at that, but you can also find these like beautiful little moments that are just hidden every, in the everyday, you know. And to me, that's where I find a lot of solace and interest and joy. Yeah. Um, and I think like continuing to believe in that <laughs> gives me a lot of like meaning and purpose. I think. Yeah. So
1: I'm also wondering, and, and again, maybe this is off, but I I felt like I heard some of it when you were talking about your brother before. And yeah. and the like decision, like, is drawing still important to me and does it still matter? And and I wonder if an aspect of the meaning making is also doing something that in some way. Perpetuates and honors his memory.
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. I think when you know, I, I say anyone that met Matt, like, just like he lit people up, yeah. and it, it's it's so rare. I I you know I don't know anybody else who who had that effect, and and so quickly, and to so many people, and it came from a genuine place. Like he was not, you know, it was, it was for no point other than that's just like who he was. And I think, yeah, I think that that was absolutely a huge part of like when I was in this moment of like my pottery shop just got like destroyed. (laughs) And do I even care about this thing? Like, what am I even doing with this? Am I, am I really going to like try and make a career out of this? Does this even matter? Um, and I think the answer was like it does matter like this is this is what i possess yeah. to, to bring that into the world and and there's like you know it's 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 for him it's definitely for him like i dedicated the book to him like that was like right. you know i couldn't wait to write those lines
1: <laughs> he was an artist right so was yeah so so like i mean the thought i was having the way it resonated with me and my personal experience was you know when i said like uh, uh, a profound experience like that can either be the reason why you never accomplish anything great or it could be the reason why you have to you know if i think about for example losing my mother if i keep my focus on the pain and the sorrow and maybe even the feeling of abandonment as a seven-year-old yeah then i can't like i'm crippled i can't move i can't do anything right yeah but like if I look back on my professional career and I think this is why marketing really wasn't for me, um, the careers I've had some longevity and have been personal training
0: mm-hmm.
1: and psychology, mm-hmm. you know, and, and now coaching, which I consider sort of connected to both of them because I do fitness coaching too. So personal training and psychology, um, I've made, you know, the last 20 some odd years of my career about helping people. And and I, to me, making a career out of helping people, and and raising children who are going to be hopefully, you know, um, you know, people talk about creating a better world for their children. I'm trying to create better children for the world, right? Like,
0: I I love that.
1: Like those things to me are things that honor my mother's memory honor her legacy right and so i could either get so caught up in my own pain that i'm crippled or i could get caught up in trying to create a life that that honors the the person i lost you know and so i wonder if that's what i'm hearing some of drawn on the way
0: oh yeah Yeah. oh yeah absolutely i i think absolutely i mean i i know that i know that like it's very much about honoring honoring yeah his legacy and like you know it's my brother was also a <laughs> the most unique person I've ever met. Like, like the, an like he was, you it know, big like, statement
1: coming from you. I mean, yeah, it's quite a yeah, of like characters. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Like I'm like I was an opera singer and marketer and illustrator, and I'm like and I'm like boring compared to my brother. Like he taught himself so many things. He was an outdoorsman. Like he he he's like who you wanted to know in the apocalypse, <laughs> and and he like but he was also an artist and a scholar and he was all these things. And, you know, like a a short way to say it would be like, he was like strange. I mean, I think to normal people, he would seem strange, but he was so unique and he never gave that up about himself. And so I think that also for me, like when I have these moments of like, what am I doing? Does this even make sense? I'm like, what would Matt say? Like, Mm -hmm. and, and what did Matt like value in his life was like being who he was unapologetically. And so I feel like that's, that's in my work is like saying to people like no matter who you are, like you have worth and you have value and like I see it and I wanna I wanna affirm that for you. And and also like, yeah, using that to drive my myself and just be like, it's okay, like you don't have to walk the beaten path. Like and you're you're not on that path, and neither was Matt. And you're gonna keep, you know, you bring his his way of seeing the world forward with with me right. while I go. So Yes, he's a hundred, he's 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 bolstered this. I, I think it would have been really easy in some ways to just like abandon this in the aftermath of everything. But in many ways, I think he like caught, like, you know, really, yeah, like bolstered that. It's just like, this is what I have to do. I have to do this. If I abandon this, then I'm abandoning him too,
1: so. Yeah, makes it feel big, right, important. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah.
1: It's it feels it feels like it's no longer a thing you do because you like to doodle, right? It's sort of a responsibility you have.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's a great, the responsibility is actually a great word because I think that is, I think that is something like when I'm sort of doubting whether this is like, But I'm doubting myself, I I think responsibility is a really good word. It's like this, I have to bring this to the world. And I think like these days with social media too, it gets really confusing because it's like you share and where, you know, you want, like, I think we look at, we want to have this huge viral impact, but then on the days when I'm feeling like, where is this going? You know, where, how am I growing this? And I'll get like a message from somebody who's like, you know, what you say here really made me feel better today. Or like, if I, I gave a drawing to someone recently and they were like, to a stranger and they were like i was having a really upside down day and you just mm. turned it right side up and i was like that that is matt that is me that is that like if, if that's all i ever did in my life like i'd be like good job you know so yeah yeah
1: that's great yeah that's great so what's what's on the horizon now what's what's next
0: <laughs> great great question what are we falling
1: um, ass backward into now <laughs>
0: actually I'm 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 it's a great question um the book is is like is where I'm I'm letting that lead and I'm letting it sort of like it's opened up a lot of opportunities to teach and to talk to people about this and so I'm I'm following where that leads now (laughs) and I think um yeah kind of continuing to see where I where I fall into this and where like less, in some ways, less planning on my part and less like, where does this go? It needs to go exactly here. Um, I think kind of like following that North Star of like this, this message uh, of, of you are a work of art and, and also connecting people to their creativity and without judgment, um, I feel like I'm, I'm a flag bearer for that. So I, <laughs> I'm, I'm going where that leads at this point, which I hope is uh, more teaching more talking about it and, um, more writing about it. That's, that's, uh, I have another, another book in mind that I'm working on the back of my head. So that's my hope is just to keep drawing and writing and talking and helping other people see the world a little bit differently.
1: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Doing any singing?
0: Not, not so much singing. I sing in my house to my dog. (laughs) Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not doing so much singing these days in public, just for myself really, so
1: yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> the reason I ask is for the people who might be watching this on, on YouTube or listening on any platform, on Spotify or Apple um, podcasts or anything of that sort. Um, I mean, we're talking to somebody here who is, you know, not, not a hobbyist, and <laughs> not even like a good singer. But we're talking about like legit professional quality, like elite level on (laughs) stage opera singer, right? Like when when Sarah talks about singing, she was singing opera for like, we're not talking about she was like in the community production of, you know, whatever. I mean, we're talking about like real professional opera singer and with a, a master's degree from the Princeton Choir College and, and really a remarkable, incredible talent. And and if you had asked me 20 years ago, I would have absolutely predicted that today you would be doing incredible and interesting things, but I would not have predicted it would be drawing. <laughs>
0: me either, for the record. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me either. Yeah.
1: I would have predicted that you would have been in theater and in music singing, but I would have, the part I think I still would have predicted just knowing you would have been that you wouldn't just be performing, you would be using it to accomplish something more.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think, yeah, I think so. And I think, you know, I I never rule out singing like in on any public way again, like I I still keep it up. I still, every once in a while I'm like, yeah, I still got it, (laughs) Um, you know? Uh, but, but I think, yeah, I think I've found, yeah, I found a funny little way to like do what I've always wanted to do ever since I was a kid, which is like tell stories and make people, you know, make people listen. <laughs> so I feel like that's in a funny way, like, yeah, this is, this is the most comfortable way that I found to do that. Like where I get to do it really unfettered. So, Yeah yeah
1: well and you i mean you look very like i mean as somebody who i mean we haven't been in touch like this for a long while it's been over facebook or instagram but you know messenger right but um but you look at ease comfortable you know yeah
0: it's you thanks thanks
1: yeah thank you i appreciate
0: that yeah i think the more i the more I'm, I'm trusting all of this. The more I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'll but, just go where you lead, wherever, wherever that is.
1: It would be, it would be very easy to rule out, you know, writing a book on drawing or even making a career out of drawing when you have a master's degree in like opera performance music, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like. I don't know. I don't know what to compare it to, but it's it just it would be easy to say, no, no, no. I I've got all this training in this area. I need to right like, um, yeah. well, I, you know, maybe I'm doing something like that too because I'm choosing not to do therapy anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I think that's interesting. I think like you said it like you're the the thread though for you is like helping people. Yeah. So I feel like that's yeah, you know, I think that's something I I, I found too is like. Yeah, I think abandoning some of those like preconceived notions of what success is and like, yeah, and kind of like being like, okay, I I thought I was going to do this, but I'm not doing that. And why and and maybe that's maybe there are really compelling reasons why I'm not doing that, but I'm still I'm still doing some element of what I thought was in my original plan.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I can I can resonate with a with a lot of it personally. you know, I same thing with me with marketing. When you say like these people, these clients who don't care about you and they don't care about, you know, I would go so far as to say most of the clients that I dealt with didn't even really care about their product. They cared about their shareholders, mm-hmm. which ultimately meant they cared about their own bank account. Right. Right. And I'm not saying you shouldn't right? like financial management is an important part of creating a life of thriving and, and there's no need, like it's okay to have a healthy financial situation. Right. There's, there's no shame in that, but yeah, these people were, are, are spend their lives selling products that they don't even care about the product. Right. And so it's uninspiring for, for me, it was uninspiring to be around. Yeah. Um, what I would say is that even as a personal trainer, I was happiest working with the uh, the I don't know I don't want to call it the higher end because that sounds judgmental, but with the more like elite end of the human performance continuum, I yeah. liked working with people who were competitive or athletic. Or I worked with a few Olympians. I worked with some Division One competitors. Um, I worked with people like you who were not athletic competitors at the time but worked out like you were you know (laughs) And and so my and as a therapist and also as a personal trainer the the problem I have is when you're focused all the time on what's wrong your worldview shifts at least my worldview shifts and it feels like nobody's okay you know if you go to work and for eight hours a day you you sit in a room with people working and you're talking about what's wrong, talking about their depression, talking about their anxiety, and those things are real and they do need treatment. And I'm not suggesting they don't. Yeah. For me, I leave work feeling like nobody's okay. And it's hard for me to carry that around.
0: Yeah.
1: And of course it's, you know, there's lots of people who might be doing great that I don't see in my office, but I don't see them. Right. And so working with people who have had these difficulties and are thriving right that fuels me right working on what's right and how do we make it better and how do we build it yeah and, and that's why your your project projects
0: are
1: so like interesting to me and I've followed them since day one yeah. and, and helped share them and promote them as much yeah. as I can because amazing. <laughs> they're really incredible and inspiring and and vulnerable and intimate and all, all things I value so much.
0: Thanks, yeah, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that on so many levels, including your support, I, which I'm always so glad for whenever I see your name pop up. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think like to what you said too, I think there's there's something to like finding, like I read something recently that was like talking about like, you know, what's yours to do in the world yeah. And I feel like that's, like, what you're saying, too, and, like, it's, like, finding, like, like, there are many things that you can do in the world, and you can probably do them really well, but finding the thing that's really yours to do, yeah. um, I think that's, that's the challenge, and it's really nice when you begin to find a window into that of like this is for some reason this is this is the way that i'm supposed to be helping in the world and and i think it's it's, it's really nice when you find that
1: <laughs> i never would have picked this pair of pants out by myself but man they fit really well
0: exactly exactly <laughs> like exactly <laughs> exactly
1: <laughs> So, yeah well sorry i i, I can't wait to see what comes next for you because everything you know since you started with that first doodle it's been a rocket ship (laughs) and and it may not have always felt like that to you but as an outsider watching it's looked like a rocket ship and it's it's really inspiring why don't we um, tell folks how to find you all the socials if they want to get in touch with you see your artwork buy your book
0: yeah <laughs> um, awesome. Yeah, you can find me at Drawn on the Way on Facebook, Instagram. I'm on the TikToks now, trying to be a young kid. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Drawn on the Way on all those places. And then drawn on the way.com if you want to find out more about the mission. And um, search Drawn on the Way on Amazon or bookshop.org if you want to buy from your favorite local bookshop. Um, If you google drawn on the way uh on in amazon uh you will find me google it on bookshop.org so um yeah it's on my website too
1: and if people wanted to get in contact with you can they message you through your website
0: yeah you can message me through my website or dm me on instagram or my email is hi at way.com. and so um yes many ways you can find me on my website or or instagram it's great
1: terrific thank you so much for your time sarah this has been fantastic personally selfishly for catching up but i think also for the for the people who are uh in my online communities and and watching or listening um it's such an interesting and inspiring story and i i really appreciate your time
0: thank
1: you and i want to say thank you to everyone who is watching on youtube or listening either on spotify on google podcasts or on apple podcasts i know that uh people are busy and your time is a valuable commodity. You can spend it lots of ways. So I, I really appreciate and value everyone who chooses to spend their time uh with me invested in, in this message. And so um if you're looking for more about um what I do or the growth and thriving project, uh my website is growth and thriving all spelled out, growth and uh, you can message me through there uh, on Facebook, our page is Growth and Thriving LLC. It's not spelled out, it's an ambersand, Growth Growth and Thriving LLC. And we have two communities there. One is Growth and Thriving After Trauma. The other is Thriving Fathers Parenting After Trauma. Um, On YouTube, you can find all the podcasts and videos at Growth and Thriving LLC. And like I said, the podcast is available on Spotify, on Google, and on Apple. So thank you everyone so much for your time. This is Dr. Jerry Sunshine Novak signing off for now, saying just keep growing until you're thriving. Love it.